We're going to be looking again in Proverbs chapter 3 tonight, a message I call Walking in Peace and Safety. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21, my son, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep sound wisdom and discretion, so shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in thy way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Uh, we're looking in the Proverbs at uh, some of the passages that deal with the subject of life and the living of life, uh, specifically as it relates to things that uh, bring to mind God's wisdom, God's truth, God's revealed wisdom to us as the source of a life lived well. We've looked uh, at the first verse of this chapter before, but I want to bring it to you again. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. And uh, that thought, those concepts kind of present themselves throughout those passages and the intervening passages between Proverbs 3 and 1 and uh, Proverbs 3.21 and, and thus provide the source of my message tonight, uh, walking in peace and in safety, length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to thee. Now right up front, we look at a passage like this and see the potential of a practical problem. Many people have lived for God and served God faithfully, and yet they have lived in the midst of some very, very difficult and dangerous and even horrendous times. I can't tell you tonight how we can say that people who live during horrendous times, like the Second World War, for example, believers in Christ, followers of God, Yet they saw a lot of awful and horrendous things. We wouldn't look at a life lived in the midst of those things and say that they were walking in peace and safety. Uh, the passage promises life, even long life. And yet many of God, God's people have lived for him and loved him and followed his word without ever living out of their 20s and 30s. Many of God's people have lived lives cut tragically and brutally short by the hateful or stupid actions of other people. Uh, two of my own cousins and a friend of theirs had their life taken from them by a drunk driver who walked away. Uh, that was a tough, tough time for our family. It was a stupid choice he made to drink and get drunk get behind the wheel of a car, cost three other people their lives. That kind of thing happens all too frequently in the world in which we live. Jesus warned us, in Luke chapter 21, verse 12, but before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. And he goes on then in verse 16, and you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinfolk and friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, verse 18, but there shall not an hair of your head 
perish. Uh, I think of Eric Liddell. I've uh, one of my favorite characters, if you've never watched the movie Chariots of Fire, that's one that I can pretty well recommend to you that you watch. Uh, Chariots of Fire tells the story of Eric and uh, his friend and uh, how they grew up and uh, came to represent uh, England in the Olympics. Uh, Liddell was scheduled to run in the 100-meter dash. He refused to do it because they were going to make him run on Sunday. He refused. Instead, he went to a church service and spoke that day. Interesting guy. That's Eric Liddell. Uh, since he couldn't run in the 100, they put him in the 400 where they thought he had absolutely no chance he won a gold medal. Uh, chariots of Fire. Uh, great score. Uh, by the way, it won four Academy Awards. <laughs> uh, we've come a long way. Uh, since the days of Chariots of Fire, uh, when a Christian could be highlighted and actually uh, win an Academy Award, not one but four. I think about Jim Elliott, famous missionary. His wife wrote the classic Through Gates of Splendor. Jim Elliott was martyred, ministering to uh, the Auka tribe in South America. He was 29. He was 29. Eric Liddell. Ended up going to China, and he was captured by the Japanese and died in a Japanese prison camp in 1945 uh, at the age of 43. 43. Uh, the New Testament gives us an example of a guy named John the Baptist. Jesus said of him, among those born of women, there's not risen one greater than John. How old was John the Baptist when he died? Only a few months he was only a few months older than Jesus. He was barely past 30. Among those born of women, there's not risen one greater than John. John lost his head for preaching the gospel, and he's not the only one. Multitudes of others have as well. So what do you do with that? You look at a passage that tells you, you know, if you walk by faith, if you keep God's word, then you'll walk in safety, and God will give you long life and peace. Well, I'll tell you what I do. I claim what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 and verse 18 when he said, they can kill you, uh, but not a hair of your head will perish. Uh, they can kill you, but they can't hurt you. <laughs> uh, they can, and it's easy for us to laugh about this at the safety of our church building in uh, Cabot, Arkansas. They can kill you. Multitudes of people have lived out that testimony. I also think about what Jesus said in John chapter 11. Uh, when uh, he was confronted by the sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, his friends that he loved. And he told them, whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then comes the great question. Believest thou this? Believest thou this? I know we say it all the time. Somebody died. My friend died. My family died. We say it all the time. But you know, when people believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus said they never die. They close their eyes on this life. That's true. But to be absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. The spirit doesn't die. It goes straight to glory uh, where it lives on. That spirit does. That person does live on in the presence of God, praising him 
and waiting then for their ultimate redemption, the redemption of the body. Now, when you look in passages like this, I have to tell you some of the promises that are given to us in King James English make me kind of chuckle. I like verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Now, I have to tell you tonight that wanting to have a healthy navel is one of my big goals in life. I've always wanted to have a healthy navel. Of course, I think you know what, uh, what that really means. It's talking about our, our, our belly, that God will take care of us. And, and he promises us that many, many, many passages uh, talk about how that God will give us food to eat. Some of the promises, though, in this passage are both familiar and very serious to us. Most of us learn Proverbs 3 and 5 in vacation Bible school and Sunday school. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And thus we have the means by which we can walk in safety and in peace. When we know that we're following God, when we know that God is establishing our path, we know that God is giving us direction, and He's given us that direction through His Word. And when we know that God is, is doing that, then we can follow the first thing that this passage tells us to do, and that is trust in the Lord. I like the way the psalmist put it, kind of a companion passage in Psalm 37. And uh, uh, I hope I've got that up there. Do I have that in there, Chad? I'm, I might have left it all. Uh, I don't see it. Okay. Uh, Proverbs chapter 30, or Psalm 37 is the one that tells us trust in the Lord and do good. Uh, rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Uh, don't fret because of evildoers. Uh, all those things are in Psalm 37. Great passage where the Bible just piles up the verbs on and on and on again, telling us the things that we are to do as we trust in the Lord. But they're all really summarized in that first expression when, he, when the psalmist tells us, trust in the Lord and do good. Uh, there are times in life where we simply trust God, and then we keep going. We don't know exactly where we're going to go but, or how we're going to get there, but we can trust in God. And while we're waiting then on Him to show us what we need to do, we can do good. And we can define that by saying we trust in the Lord and mow the yard. We can trust in the Lord and go to work. Trust in the Lord and go to school. Trust in the Lord and... Do good. Keep doing the good things that we know to do while we're waiting on God to give us the direction about the big things that we think are big things anyway that we need the help with. Trust in the Lord and keep doing good. And as we look at this passage then tonight, uh, I understand, I acknowledge we're living in an increasingly violent and angry world. Uh, our hearts were burdened. Again, uh, seeing the killings in Midland and Odessa, Texas just yesterday. It, it's, it, it is a dangerous world growing increasingly dangerous. God's people get sick, uh, just like lost people get sick. God's people have debilitating illnesses and injuries, just like uh, lost people uh, have them. There's Psalm 37. It, it was in there, Psalm 37. Uh, I guess I had it buried down in there somewhere. Psalm 37. 
you can read that along. But as we are trusting in the Lord, doing good, delighting ourselves in the Lord, committing our way unto the Lord, rest in the Lord, and those are the verbs of that passage. All of them are just a variation and expansion of what it means to trust in the Lord and do good. And as we're doing those things, then we can dwell in peace and safety. We can walk in peace and safety. So back to Proverbs chapter 3 then, let's look at what it means to trust in the Lord, first of all. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. When we're trusting in the Lord, there's a few things that are true about us. Uh, Number one, uh, we don't have to know where we are going if God is leading us. We don't have to know. God sent Abraham out not knowing where he went. And there'll be times when we have to trust God because we don't know exactly uh, what it is that we're trying to do. I hear a lot of people talk about objectives in life, and those are all good things, and goals, and those are all good things. But let's be honest with ourselves. How many of us have fulfilled the goals in life that we had when we were 18 or 19 years old? I know exactly what I'm going to do. Didn't exactly turn out that way, did it? Uh, Now, some of us do, some of us have, but it's not always that way. God sent Abraham out not knowing where he went. And I'm sure Abraham was fine with that, but I've often wondered how Sarah felt about that. Pack up, honey, we're leaving. Where are we going? I don't know. Don't know. But he did it. Aren't you glad he did? My, how the world has been blessed because Abraham believed God. It also means that we don't necessarily have to know when we're going. I love the, tes- uh, the testimony of the children of Israel as they marched uh, all those days around the mighty city of Jericho, the fortress, marching around. That didn't make a lot of sense to them. When we're going to attack? Well, just wait. Keep going. Keep marching. They didn't have to know when they were going. God knew. God knew. Think of the children of Israel again, standing there by the Red Sea with armies of Pharaoh behind them. It was time to go in their way of thinking, but there was no way they could go. They didn't know when they were going or or even how it was going to happen. When God is in control, we can trust Him. It's like that song said we heard just this morning. We don't... Uh, when we're facing a mountain and God wants us to go to the other side, <laughs> then God will move that mountain. My problem in yours is, is that I tend to want to go grab the dynamite and uh, the Euclid trucks and uh, big bulldozers and front-end loaders. It's the one thing I learned living in Branson, you don't have to have faith to move a mountain. If you've got enough dynamite, you can move it out of the way. The thing is, when we're walking by faith, we don't have to know when. We don't have to know how. And you say, well, I, don't, I just don't see how that's going to work out in my life. Read the Bible. And you can see over and over and over and over again how people trusted God and how it worked out. And I can assure you in my life and in your life, if you've been saved very long, you've experienced times where you trusted God. 
And though you didn't know exactly where things were going to end up and you didn't know even maybe when you were going, you didn't know how or why. But yet, it's worked out. God's never been big in the explanation department. And though we ask him a lot, why has this happened? He seldom answers that. The passage we quoted from John chapter 11 earlier goes directly to the heart of that matter. Lazarus was sick. What did Jesus do? As far as we know, as far as the Bible tells us, he did nothing. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that he wasn't doing something. I can't, I, it just means the Bible doesn't record it until he announced to the disciples, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. It was four days before he showed up there. And the whole reason that passage that I quoted to you earlier was in, is in the Bible is because he's responding to how his sisters confronted him. Lord, if you would have been here... My brother wouldn't have died. In the end, God's glory was shown. That's what it was all about. It was for the glory of God. Think about the blind man, born blind. And the disciples asked, well, why was this man born blind? Did he sin? And that would have been a complicated question. Because how can you sin before you're even born? Was his parents' sin? And that's a complicated question because why would God punish a helpless little baby for what his mom and daddy did? That doesn't seem right. It's a complicated issue. Why was this man born blind? Did he sin? If so, how? Did his parents sin? You remember what Jesus said? Nay. Neither one. This man was born blind because Jesus was going to heal him. And there's something about being healed of your blindness that seemed to make being blind all that time, no doubt, <laughs> kind of worth it. What an amazing miracle. What an incredible testimony. Not a miracle done on the backside of the wilderness somewhere. Not something done up on the Sea of Galilee. Not somewhere done in some far remote area. But something done in the temple itself. In the middle of a massive festival. A blind man that everybody knew was blind. Miraculously healed by Jesus Christ. What a testimony he gave. Well, you're, saying, you're asking me if this man was a sinner, he said. Why, since the world began, it's not been heard of such a thing. Don't you know that man had asked again and again? Has anybody ever been healed who was born blind? You ever heard of somebody healed that was born blind? Well, he heard of people healed that had gone blind. Jesus had been doing that too. Uh, we've never heard of anybody being healed who was born blind. We know a lot more about that these days than they knew back then. See, we know about 
uh, what it's like for a, a, a little baby to be born without optic nerves or maybe even without eyeballs. It happens. What had happened to him, we don't know, except that he was born blind. And by the power of Jesus Christ, he was able to see. Trust in the Lord. We don't have to know where we're going. We don't have to know when. We don't have to know how. We don't have to know why. Because we know the one who knows where. We know the one who knows when. We know the one who knows how. And we know the one who knows why. That's what it means, you see, to trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Then he explains this negatively. Don't trust your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Because there'll be times when God does things that we can't understand very well. And God may lead us through things, and things may happen as God is leading us, and as we're trusting Him, that just don't make a lot of sense to us. Paul would write to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and talk about how that He is always leading us in triumph. He is always leading us in His victory. And what He's telling us is, is that Jesus Christ is the victor. He has won the victory. And he is always then leading us in his victory. We get to join in his victory because we are joined to him. And therefore, he is leading us in triumph at all times, leading us in his victory. But there'll be times maybe when that doesn't make a lot of sense to us because what we're experiencing doesn't look a whole lot like victory. And in fact, sometimes it feels a whole lot like defeat. But trusting in the Lord means that we don't trust our own understanding. Just because we can't understand it, just because we can't explain it. Personally tonight, I am incredibly thankful that our God can move in ways that I can't understand and therefore I can't explain. I rejoice in that. Don't let that challenge our faith. We trust in the Lord. And we don't trust our own understanding Lastly then, in all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And that means that we include God in, in all things. We tend to believe, if we're not very careful, that God is, is just interested in sacred things or in spiritual things. We divide our life up into uh, portions, compartmentalization. We call it, you know, I've got this part, this part, this part, I'm mom, I'm dad or not mom and dad, I'm a mom or a dad, uh, I'm, I'm a teacher, I'm a worker, I've got a business, I've got this, this, this. Um, acknowledge him, the Bible says, in all of it. In all of it. That means when you guys uh, get a day off tomorrow and you're hanging out at the house, uh, you still got a place for acknowledging God. And understanding that God has a place in your downtime. When you get up on Tuesday morning and head to work, you sure need to acknowledge God in that. Uh, on the way in, God, I, I need you. Uh, a lot of people are going to head out to work on Tuesday morning and never make it. You understand? In all our ways, acknowledge Him. That we've got a place for God in all aspects of our life. When we have a big need or a big crisis, oh yeah, we know we need God for this. I need help. I need prayer. 
uh, yeah, we know about that. But the problem is that you and I never know the difference between what's going to be a ordinary or routine day and what's going to be a very, very scary day. We don't know. And since we don't know what a day is going to bring forth, we have to know the one who does. Acknowledge him then in all your ways. So three things that the psalmist or, uh, encourages us, the writer of Proverbs encourages us uh, uh, to do so that we can have the confidence that we can walk in peace and in safety. We trust in the Lord uh, with all of our hearts. We don't trust in ourselves and our own understanding. And we then acknowledge him in all of our ways. And then we get the promise. He shall direct thy paths. And God directs our paths in, in three things. And these are three things you might want to note in, in, in a sideline or just write down for yourself. I didn't put them in our PowerPoint. I just want you uh, to remember them. Uh, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. First of all, that means for us that God chooses the way. We let God choose the way. We never consider a decision or a plan or purpose that we don't bring it to God in prayer. God, I'm thinking about this. These are my plans. Can we bring it to God and say, God, help me to choose the way that you'd have me to go? Once we do that, then we understand that uh, God then is in control of the way. That he may or may not tell us where we're going, as we've talked about. He may or not tell us uh, when or how. But God is in control. And I know that. Ultimately, I think all of us as Christians understand that we have committed our life into his hand and that God is in control. And yet our great issue in life is that we are forever trying to twist the steering wheel out of God's hand and determine our own way. And that's a dangerous thing. God chooses the way. God controls the way. And when he does that, then God clears the way. He shall direct thy paths. The idea of directing our paths that the psalmist used means exactly that. It's a way that God clears out a way. God clears the obstacle. God makes a way where there is no way. God clears our paths. Tonight, I hope that you all will pray for me, and I'm going to pray for you all, that uh, God would help us to live more of our life in accordance with the truth of this passage. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Let's stand together.